Hello and welcome to Screen Cleaning here on BYU Radio. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And we are here each and every week to give you the very best in entertainment. A lot of other entertainment shows will focus on the gossip and all the negative things happening in Hollywood. We actually like to focus on the positive. And so that's why we have segments like Panning for Good, and uh, which we'll bring you at the very end of the show, where we dig a little extra for that little nugget of goodness in the entertainment industry. But today, Cole, it's a special show today. And why is that? Yeah, we're back on delay a little bit because we're back to Zoom because one of us, Jeffrey, has tested positive for this uh, little virus that's going around. Might have heard of it. Well, it wasn't me, so who could it have been? Oh, yeah, it's definitely me. Um, Turns out everything that I'd been promised from testing positive for COVID has been a lie. I thought I was going to get like two weeks off of work and just sit in my bed and watch movies constantly and get caught up on all the stuff that I've missed. Turns out I've spent the past three days just very feverish um, and sick and mostly congested and not, not a pleasant experience, I would say. Well, I'm sorry, Cole. Hope you get feeling better real soon. Other than talking COVID today, we have an event that is coming up, and there's no denying that it's coming up. We're going to stay completely neutral, but it's factual. There is an, inaug- there is an inauguration coming up on January 20th, and uh, we thought this would be an interesting opportunity to talk about movie presidents and TV presidents. And we're we're not going to get political. We're just going to share as 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 much as that's possible, Cole, in a show where we're talking about movie and TV presidents. We're not really going to get political. We're just going to share some of our favorites, some of our least favorites that were portrayed in movies and TV. And we're going to end it on a, an inspiring high note. But before we get to that, we've got a couple of reviews that we want to share with you. Cole, you've got a review for a show that people have been waiting for. They've been on pins and needles for a very long time to see WandaVision. It's the newest thing to the MCU. It's been since Spider-Man Far From Home came out in the summer of 2019 since we have gotten any Marvel content. The MCU had been regularly churning out three movies a year and we finally got the promise with with Disney Plus coming out that we were going to get these new short form like TV shows but really long form movies is what they're supposed to be they're you know one continuous story told over many parts we're so deprived cole this is talk about first world problems we had I've to wait the MCU. years <laughs> it has been it has been far too long and the one that was supposed to come out first was Falcon and the Winter Soldier but uh because of probably MCU timeline issues and getting Black Widow out there so that we understand the bigger story going on in the MCU they've launched instead with WandaVision hmm. and two episodes are available right now on Disney Plus and Disney Plus is doing their Disney Plus thing that they've also done with The Mandalorian and many other of their originals, where they put out an episode every week. So you get the first two today, and then you gotta wait till next Friday for episode three and the next Friday for episode four. It's, they, they try to push back against the binging culture that we have nowadays in streaming, and it, it frustrates me when I finish episode two and I want to go on, <laughs> and you can't. 
Wow. So it sounds good enough that you want to continue watching it. Is it good enough? Or do you feel like this is more of a bingeable show or do you feel like it can be enjoyed just as well from week to week? So interestingly enough, this show more than any show that I've seen in the past five years seems like it could be designed for an every week kind of format because as the trailers have kind of pointed us towards, it's designed like an old school sitcom and they commit to it. I, I kind of thought going into this that I was going to get, you know, some flashes of the black and white, you know, Wanda and Vision having antics in like the first episode. But by the end of the first episode, we'd get on to whatever story they're trying to tell through two episodes they have committed to this world that apparently Wanda and Vision are inhabiting right now, for, for better or for worse, or, or however it has happened, whatever multiverse realm they're existing in that has caused their world to be like a black-and-white sitcom. And we've gotten little nuggets of something's not quite right here, hmm. but it's committed to this, and, and the first episode is exactly 22 minutes. It's black-and-white the whole way through, both have had a different kind of intro theme song that spoofs either I Love Lucy or Bewitched or I Dream of Genie, like these black and white sitcoms that I grew up watching on TV land is where they're drawing a lot of their inspiration for the design. And, and it's, a, it just, I, I was smiling. I was smiling so much watching through it because they've properly committed to doing what they're going to do and just slowly introducing the idea that this is going to have bigger implications as we go on. But they're they're taking their time with it. And for only a half-hour show, that's really commendable. Yeah, and man, that's really detailed with, down to the 22-minute running time, right? Is that something they're going to do with every episode, or, or are the other episodes going to be an hour long? Well, yeah, so the first episode was exactly 22 minutes, and before before it kind of breaks away, it, it gives you kind of a faux credits, like I said, where, they, where they're spoofing other sitcoms, and it says starring Wanda and Vision, and then at the very end, we kind of pull back from the fourth wall, like we were watching this on TV in some industrial bunker under the world or something like that, and then it goes into like the full color credits where it actually says like elizabeth olsen is playing wanda and paul bettany is playing vision uh but up until that it's 22 minutes the second episode's about a half hour so it seems like they're going to be in in that range going forward okay well hopefully that wasn't too much of a spoiler of wandavision um i it's going to be difficult for me to talk about what i'm going to be talking about next without doing some slight spoilers So if you want to fast forward during this part, that's totally fine. But I was so excited when I got the news that not only was Cobra Kai Season 3 coming out and that not only was it now going to be on Netflix instead of YouTube YouTube TV or whatever. YouTube Red is what they were calling it. YouTube Premium has kind of backed themselves off of all original content they yeah. they kind of got the vibe that content was king and they tried turning a bunch of stuff out and then they just kind of backed themselves back uh to just being youtube basically and focusing more on youtube tv yeah so not only did we get those two good pieces of news but then they surprised us 
that it wasn't coming out January 7th or 8th, whatever they said it was going to be. It's actually coming out New Year's Day. What a great way to start 2021 to get Cobra Kai Season 3. And Cole, this show really surprised me from the very beginning because I uh, have a confession to make. I actually don't like the movie The Karate Kid. Yeah, see, Um, I know this. We've (laughs) argued about this before, and I've lamented how wrong you are on many occasions on this show. It should be news to everyone. And anyone that is new to screen cleaning now needs to collectively gasp at the fact that Jeff, who grew up, you know, who was born in the 80s, is not a fan of The Karate Kid. It seems wrong, Jeff. It, it, I guess it seems wrong, but everything's made right because I, I love the show Cobra Kai. Now, uh, let it be known, I have also not seen Karate Kid 2 or 3 or the next Karate Kid or the Karate Kid with uh, Jaden Smith. Um, but I absolutely love Cobra Kai because I feel like they've fully embraced how cheesy and ridiculous this all is. They fully embrace the nostalgia of the 80s. And what I love, Cole, is character-driven stories. So it's interesting to me to see this character that you really root against in the original Karate Kid all of a sudden is the main character in this show, somebody that you're supposed to care about. It's a redemption story. And I think that's how they get you with Johnny's character is that he has really not done much with his life. Um, he he drinks too much. He has a falling out with his son. He is estranged from his son and his wife. And so he's just trying to keep the shattered pieces of his life together. And he gets so annoyed with all of these Daniel LaRusso car salesman ads that he sees all over town that he's going to kick the competition that uh, that is what pushes him and motivates him to take the next step in his life, which is to resurrect Cobra Kai and uh, try to adopt all of the same mantras and uh, sensei pieces of wisdom that he can give to his students, which, you know, he does to varying amounts of success. So this is season one, right? And in season three, we get the return of... Johnny's sensei, John Kreese, who comes in to make things way more complicated. And so, Cole, you're watching season three, you're watching season two, you're watching season one, and you realize what you're watching. You know that you're watching something that is just a popcorn show and that is super cheesy. And it's at times you feel like you're watching a teen sit or a teen uh, uh, soap opera. But you just get so wrapped up in the characters and you're really rooting for this guy, Johnny Lawrence, to turn his life around that you don't care. And it's funny how I can enjoy the nostalgia of a movie from the 80s that I didn't even like. Isn't that interesting? So in by all accounts, this is a show that should not work. But for me, it really does. So the premise of season three uh, at the end of season two, John Kreese has kind of had this hostile takeover of Johnny Lawrence's dojo. And so uh, Johnny's life is even more in shambles than it was from the beginning of Cobra Kai. And so not only that, but his top student, Miguel, 
has broken his back in like a 20-minute epic school brawl. And so not only has he lost his dojo, but he is in danger of losing his best student. So uh, at the end of season two, we get a little uh, Facebook friend request received and accepted from Elizabeth Shue's character from the original The Karate Kid. So I don't want to spoil anything, but there's the possibility that we'll see Elizabeth Shue in season three, which again is just fully more fully embracing the uh, the nostalgia of this franchise. But Cole, of the three shows that came out, the three biggest shows that were returning to TV or coming for the first time, Mandalorian season two, WandaVision, and Cobra Kai season three, I was actually most excited for Cobra Kai. So that tells you how good of a show it is, Cole. You gotta check it out, Cole. You gotta, especially yeah, if you love the Karate Kid. Maybe I'll—I mean, I love the other two that you've mentioned, and Star Wars and Marvel get me coming back a little bit better than the Karate Kid. I love the Karate Kid, the original. I just haven't gotten around, I guess, to Cobra Kai. Those are only half-hour episodes as well, though, so you know it—it it should be Super easy, easy watching at least. So speaking of Cobra Kai, Netflix streaming. We got some big news in the form of a video where three celebrities, three big celebrities appeared in the video, not on Zoom cameras, but actually standing right next to each other. We have Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, whom we talk about quite a lot on the show. They were announcing that Netflix is releasing one movie every week in the year 2021. That's big news. We already knew that Netflix releases a lot of movies, but they're trying to get people excited about watching movies. They're trying to start the year off with a bang. And so it'll be interesting to see how good these movies are and how many of these movies were actually meant for the theaters, but then were purchased or acquired by Netflix. There's, we've got to find that out, Cole. Netflix has always been a quantity over quality kind of service. So that's how they've been able to survive losing a lot of content like the office this year but what they've also been able to acquire with movie theaters being shut down is a lot of oscar Beatty and awards kind of quality movies it'll be interesting to see yeah if it's netflix acquiring stuff or if i mean if they already have a slate a schedule of 52 new movies one every single week then that's not even to mention what they might pick up if theaters continue to be closed because people like me are still getting COVID 10 months after this all started. And I think for all the naysayers who think, oh, you're just quantity over quality Netflix, they ended the preview with two other mega stars that will be appearing in a Netflix movie, uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio. You don't get much bigger than Leonardo DiCaprio, so uh, it must be they must have something going for them, Cole. In other news, we know about 1917 and how it was kind of filmed in a way that uh, made it look like it was all one take, right? But there's a movie coming out that we probably won't really review on the show, but the the uh, the format of this movie we want to highlight because it's something that apparently has never been done before. 77-minute filmed action sequence in one take. It's the movie Crazy 
Samurai. And with a name like Crazy Samurai, I think you are getting exactly what you think you're getting. A couple years ago, there was a Japanese film that had a 37-minute one-shot, one-take intro to it called One Cut of the Dead. Uh, It was a very meta movie. It's kind of a funny zombie take. And I really enjoy that movie. You can find it. uh, It ran on TV. I I watched it on Shudder, where they took out some of the worst swear words when they put up the little subtitles. So unless you speak Japanese, you won't notice that they're swearing as much as they are. Um, I highly recommend that. And I love gimmicks like this. And so, you know, crazy action samurai one take movie. I'm all in. Okay. Well, speaking of fighting movies, apparently we're getting our first images from the new Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah, did you know uh, that there was going to be a new Mortal Kombat movie before these started trending on Twitter this morning? I don't think I was in the know on that one, Cole. I remember loving and watching frequently the original Mortal Kombat movie. Very entertaining. And the soundtrack was like a mega hit. So we'll see if they can duplicate that. (laughs) hopefully they'll actually you know make a good movie people have fond memories of that original mortal kombat movie it is very very bad well one other thing that we knew was going to happen was that on january 20th we're going to get a new president sworn in it is the inauguration of president-elect joe biden and we thought without getting political why don't we spend some time talking about some of our favorite presidents from movie and TV, and maybe some of our least favorite presidents from movies and TV. And we'll do that when we return here on Screen Cleaning. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. This is Jeff Simpson and Cole Wissinger here to highlight the very best in entertainment. And the way that we're doing that today, since we've got the inauguration of President-elect uh, Joe Biden on The January... guy that was in Parks and Rec versus the guy that was in Home Alone 2. So the way I they this. both have experience on camera. So we got to thinking, who are some of our favorite presidents... Not in real life, because we don't want to get too political in this episode, but in movies and TV. Who did such an amazing job as commander-in-chief in in entertainment, and who maybe did not do such a bang-up job? Uh, And so, first off, let's talk about some of our favorite fictional presidents from movies and TV. Cole, let's start off with a bang and go with one that I think most people would think of when they think of the best movie presidents. We've got to go with President James Marshall from the film Air Force One, portrayed by Harrison Ford. And you all know the line that he says at the end of the movie, Get off my plane. Who doesn't love having a former soldier in this role of president? Somebody that you know can stand up for himself, that when the going gets tough, when uh, when he's threatened, he can handle himself, as Harrison Ford does so well, when his 
plane is hijacked and his family is there with him on Air Force One. He takes care of himself quite well, and uh, that's why he's one of my favorite fictional presidents, Cole. It's sort of a diehard riff where you have one guy, you know, his family's in danger in one specific location. One of my favorite movie presidents uh, also is in a sort of diehard take, but he's not the action hero. He's just the guy that's going along for the ride. Uh, And it's when Channing Tatum was stuck in the White House when terrorists start taking over in White House Down. President Jamie Foxx helped uh, our hero get out of that one okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you know Jamie Foxx can take care of himself as well as as Channing Tatum. So, yeah, we love to see that in our presidential action movies. If if I think of a president that is just... uh, This is more than any movie president or TV president, I should say. The one that I think if people say, oh... When we when I say this person's name, people would just say, oh, he's the man. And I'm talking about Dennis Haysbert, who played David Palmer on the show 24. This show was it was such a novel idea that we we're going to do every episode, which represents an hour of this day, which is why it's called 24. So you have this thriller that is in real time, but you just love a president with that deep bass voice that just rumbles and just exudes i you know this confidence and power and not only that but he's a decent guy unfortunately he has one of the worst first ladies uh <laughs> that he has to uh suffer with but david palmer as portrayed by dennis haysbert is just one of the coolest one of the one of the biggest, certainly, and one of the most powerful presidents that you really like rooting for. He certainly falls on like the machismo side scale of what we look for in a leader of the free world. Hey, Um, Cole, I just got to say, with Dennis Haysbert as the president, our nation would be in good hands. Huh? Huh? (sighs) If you didn't know Dennis Haysbert, if you didn't recognize him from 24, you certainly recognize that deep bass voice like we talked about from the Allstate commercials. Yeah. Uh, That's one side that TV has taken with our commander-in-chief, but my favorite will always be, and and any excuse really I have to talk about the West Wing I have taken on this show, Martin Sheen's take on Josiah Bartlett, the president in the West Wing, is my favorite in a leader. He's not, uh, I mean, Martin Sheen's kind of like my height. He's, He's not a physically imposing dude, but he's intellectual, he's caring, uh, he's just a, a devoutly religious man, and, and he seems like he represents all the good values that America says that we want to portray and want, want to get out there to the world. And it doesn't have to be an action hero. Now that, I mean, the action heroes are super fun in movies, but for a more realistic, slow, you know, what you can do with a TV show versus a two-hour movie, I'd vote for a man like Josiah Bartlett. Oh, absolutely. And you make me want to go back and watch that show, Cole. I try. It's it's really my one goal uh, in the years of doing screen cleaning <laughs> to talk about the West Wing as much as possible. Sure. Well, I want to talk as much as I can about the movie Dave and the favorite fictional president in that movie. It's not the person who is actually the president in the movie, William Mitchell, 
But it is the impersonator that comes in to uh, take over his job when William Mitchell goes ill. And that's Dave Kovic, also played by Kevin Klein in a dual role. Uh, And you can actually hear us talk more about the movie Dave in a past episode. It's our Screen Cleaning Hall of Fame episode, one of several of those episodes. Just Google... (laughs) Thank you, Cole. Just Google Screen Cleaning Podcast and look for the episode that talks about Dave and the movie Babe, two movies that we we just love so much. Now, when you you told me that Kevin Klein was going to make an appearance here in a dual role... I I was sort of confused because when I think of Kevin Klein in the movies, of course my mind goes to the 1999 Will Smith classic, The Wild Wild West, where Kevin Klein plays Ulysses S. Grant, one of our real presidents in American history. Cole, that's, I did not, that's not one of your, stutter. Not one I of did your not stutter. I did not make a mistake. Hmm. Uh, that is a movie that shall not be named again on this show. Uh, yeah, you can try. But Okay. Uh, so those are our favorite fictional presidents. Now, what about our favorite non-fictional presidents? And before we're starting we... with Kevin Klein, of course, Ulysses S. Grant. No, no. Uh, um, but before we name these presidents, it should be noted we're not making any commentary on these presidents' presidencies. We're not saying we endorse this president. We're not saying this is our favorite president. We're just saying that, as portrayed in movies and TV, these are our favorite presidents. Because heaven movies. forbid I go out on the limb and say that George Washington or Abraham Lincoln were decent presidents. And those are a couple Cole, that are going to make an appearance here. Cole, we're not being political on the show today. But I'm going to start with the president. It's not my favorite movie, but you just love the actor so much. How could he not be on this list? And I'm talking about Robin Williams portraying Theodore Roosevelt in the Night at the Museum movie and franchise. I love Robin Williams. He does a great job... Uh, portraying this wax figure that kind of goes in and out of being alive and being a wax figure. And, yeah, uh, you you can just tell this franchise represented a pretty good paycheck for Robin Williams. Blah. Cole, you just mentioned George Washington. I understand you want to talk about a movie where uh, the actor that portrays this particular president is one of your favorites. Yeah, so the John Adams miniseries, it's about six episodes that ran on HBO, uh, Paul Giamatti plays the titular John Adams, but they're in this time of American Revolution, and it's David Morse who does just an amazing rendition of George Washington, a a sort of slower, you know, everything that you read about George Washington, the real man that is behind the great myth that has become, because he's one of the founders of this great country, the first president. We have to mention the the number one guy if we're going to talk about movie or TV presidents. And he just embodies such a quiet confidence. And, and it helps that every explanation of George Washington says, like, when he steps into a room, you notice him because he's tall. Like, and David Morse is, I mean, he oh, also yeah. played a, a football player in the movie Concussion, right? He's He's got that imposing figure without having to be a blowhard or talking too much, being being what we think of as a politician nowadays, where they're just a sly talker. Uh, he was just a very calm and confident version of our first president. I really like... <laughs> I think it's a funny premise, anyway. There's a movie called Dick, and it's about Richard Nixon... And really, it's about these two not-so-bright blondes portrayed by Kirsten Dunst 
and uh, Michelle Williams, who uh, it, it portrays their role in the Watergate scandal. So you've, you've got to watch it for that ridiculous premise alone. But the movie came out before we knew who Deep Throat was. Right. And so yeah. it was just kind of fun to say, eh, it could have been like this. <laughs> yeah. And Dan Hedaya, who, if you don't recognize his name, you certainly would recognize him from plenty of movies, chief among those being he's the dad in the movie Clueless. So super funny guy, does a great job playing Richard Nixon in the movie Dick. And Dick takes on this kind of uh, Bill and Ted-esque where you're two clueless heroes just kind of bumble their way through by being nice guys or gals, um, something that's really, really important. Uh, unfortunately, an Abraham Lincoln that shows up in Bill and Ted didn't quite make our list. I campaigned hard for Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter to make the list, um, but ultimately, if we're going to have an Abraham Lincoln as portrayed in film, it's going to be the man that won an Oscar for the performance, uh, and it's when Daniel Day-Lewis took on the top hat in 2012's Lincoln. I think I remember reading reviews about Daniel Day-Lewis in Lincoln that basically said, Daniel Day-Lewis is a better Lincoln than Lincoln. (laughs) He does such a great job, and you buy this performance 100% to the point where you you start believing, yeah, I I think it's possible that's actually what he sounded like, right? So such, such an amazing performance and such inspiring speeches given throughout this movie. Absolutely, that's going to be on the list. Another one that you mentioned, Cole, when you and I were discussing this was an actor named David Diggs who portrays Thomas Jefferson in the, you don't want to call it a movie, we'll call it a stage play turned into a movie, Hamilton. Yeah, just because it went on Disney Plus doesn't mean it counts whenever we're putting together like our favorite <laughs> movies of 2020. But if we have movies and TV, why not throw in a stage version? And Hamilton does recast, you know, some of our wonderful founding fathers in Lin-Manuel Miranda's like amazing, quick, fast rapping dialogue that, that sings throughout the entire musical. And David Diggs is kind of the superstar when, when he shows up. So he, he portrays, um, a, you know, a different character in the first act, and then in the second act, from the opening strains of Thomas Jefferson's coming home, he just dominates the stage and is the standout president in a movie about our founding fathers. Uh, sorry, a, a stage play about our founding fathers. So those are our favorite presidents for movies and TV, uh, both fictional and non-fictional. We're going to get back to strictly fictional for this next category, which is, you know, if we've got our favorites or some of the greatest presidents in movies and TV, it goes to show that we're going to have the worst movie presidents. And when we say the worst, we don't mean uh, that the actor did a bad job. Um, We just they're not particularly good at their job. We'll just say so. Let's start off with Alan Alda in a movie that you may not have seen, uh, if not heard of, he plays simply the president of the United States in the film Canadian Bacon, directed by Michael Moore, who is actually doing a non-documentary film. He's doing a feature film. And it's this ridiculous comedy where the president has these numbers that are just abysmal. And so he, somebody in his cabinet convinces him 
that if he will go to war with Canada, it will improve his popularity. And so you have America considering going to war with these super polite Canadians. And uh, John Candy's in the mix there. And Stephen Wright is in it. It's just a funny, ridiculous movie. Alan Alda, Canadian Bacon. Alan Alda, because I can't go apparently more than five minutes on this show without referencing the West Wing, also portrayed a presidential huh. candidate in the last season of the West Wing going up against Jimmy Smits. Absolutely. Fun fact. Cole, I can't believe an Adam Sandler movie is making it on this list, but this is one that you brought to my attention. If an Adam Sandler movie is making the list for me, it's going to be in the worst category. And Kevin James plays the president in the movie Pixels. Pixels was not the most critically well-received movie of the past 10 years, I think we can say. And part of it is because the plot is that Adam Sandler and Kevin James and a couple of the other normals that you see in these kind of movies were all childhood friends that played a lot of arcade games in the 80s. Adam Sandler grew up to basically do nothing with his life. Kevin James grew up to be the president. And so when aliens come down to Earth imitating video game characters from the 80s, Kevin James doesn't call up the National Guard or experts in any kind of field. He calls up his old arcade buddies from the 80s and says, hey, will you guys save the world for me? <laughs> and it's just not a very responsible move for the leader of the free world. And in general, Kevin James does not evoke the most confidence uh, as a president. One of, one of our worst, I think, movie presidents. Okay. Well, this is another movie you likely have not heard of. It didn't make a ton of money, but my wife and I just love it. We think it's so funny. It's a spoof of American Idol. It's a spoof of another president that we won't name because, again, we're not going to get too political. But the name of the president is President Staten, as portrayed by Dennis Quaid in the film American Dreams. And, again, you've got another president who is not very popular with the American people, and so somebody in his cabinet recommends that he goes on this American Idol-type reality television show to be a guest judge. And the judge on that show is a very Simon Cowell-type character portrayed by Hugh Grant. There are some other subplots that are uh, too ridiculous and too wonderful to spoil here. So we'll just say go see American Dreams. It is PG-13, but it certainly is funny. Dennis Quaid's one of those, like, it was fascinating as we were doing research for this show, how certain names come up more often than not. Dennis Quaid has played real-life Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton before on the screen, and it's just interesting to see d different actors who have been the president more than once. I, I talked about, like, George Washington's quiet, tall gravitas that he had in real life, and James Cromwell has also portrayed the president numerous times just because he seems like a presidential guy right tall commanding soft-spoken uh, and because it's been about five minutes he portrayed one of the former presidents in uh, the west wing yeah <laughs> nicole this one is it's based on a real person but it's a scenario that could never actually happen do you want to explain this one 
Well, I guess the only reason it can't happen is because the Constitution says that we can't elect Arnold Schwarzenegger as president. But there was a time where it felt like we could. The governor of California was the president in the Simpsons movie, voiced by Harry Shear. Of course. And Cole, what's his what's his what's our favorite line from that movie? I was elected to lead, not to read. That pretty much spells out why he's one of the worst movie presidents, because he's not even willing to read something that he's about to sign that could determine the fate of so many Americans, right? I'm pretty sure there's an episode of The Simpsons where Lisa becomes the president in some future Simpsons That sounds world. right. That, that's I think an all right president. president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So topping off this list of worst movie presidents, again, not based on a, a real president, but uh, in a movie that has a ridiculous premise because it's really an an homage to B movies from the 50s and 60s, partic- and specifically B alien movies. And it's Jack Nicholson as President James Dale in the film Mars Attacks with an exclamation point. And really, this president just exists to uh, spout out pop culture references that are super dated by now but there's a there is a Rodney King reference where he he pl- he pleads with the aliens why can't we all just get along and then one of they the aliens take out the entire congress in one scene and president James Dale at a different part of the movie says we've still got two out of the three branches of government And that ain't bad. So that's probably not the outlook that we're hoping for in a president when you have a a branch of government that is just entirely annihilated. So he's certainly going to make that list as well. Jack Nicholson, James Dale, Mars Attacks. When we return, we still have some work to do. Because what is a president without a great presidential speech? And uh, we're going to get to some of our favorite presidential speeches from movies and TV when we return here on Screen Cleaning. Meaning or worth until we cure ourselves of slavery and end this pestilential war. And whether any of you or anyone else knows it, I know I need this. This amendment is that cure. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning, this special inauguration episode. Again, we've been very clear that we're not getting political at all on this show. We're just sharing some of our favorite performances and portrayals of presidents from movies and TV. We've talked about favorite fictional and non-fictional presidents from movies and TV, as well as some of the worst presidents from movies. Now we're going to talk about... Uh, Something that is a little bit of a unique category, Cole, because, you know, you see so many presidents in movies and TV that just have these strong presidential names that really lend themselves to feelings of confidence and assurity and power. But then there are president names that uh, I certainly don't think I would ever vote for presidents that have these names in movies and TV. First and foremost among those would be uh, Jonathan Price's character 
in two movies that I've never seen, but I understand you have seen them, Cole. G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, and G.I. Joe Retaliation. Jonathan Price's name in this film, he is President Zartan, which to me either sounds like a Superman villain or a character from Planet of the Apes. So here's the thing. Here's what happens when you just go down a Wikipedia list and don't know the context of the G.I. Joe cinematic universe. Zartan is the bad guy in the G.I. Joe movies, and Jonathan Price is actually portraying like Zartan has infiltrated the U.S. government. And so they they don't call him like he wasn't elected as President Zartan. It's just we know that he is the bad guy and, and that he was able to infiltrate the U.S. government. And so we know he's Zartan to everyone else. It's just the president of the United States. I don't think he gets like a name, but he's undercover because he is the G.I. Joe bad guy. And of course, G.I. Joe bad guys have a stereotypically bad guy name like Zartan. Yeah. Another one, Cole, from the movie Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, one of the longest movie titles in movie history, I would think, uh, is an actor who portrays three different characters in this movie. Obviously, the titular Dr. Strangelove, but Peter Sellers also plays the President of the United States. I don't think... Merkin Muffley is a very presidential name. Doesn't seem like a very esteemed or or powerful name to me. It seems like somebody that's going to be a bumbling president, which is basically what he is. At one point in the movie, Merkin Muffley says, gentlemen, there's no fighting in here. This is the war room. And uh, <laughs> try him trying to get on the phone to muster up an apology to the uh, USSR leader uh, trying to explain why haha, we kind of accidentally sent uh, a nuclear weapon your way. Yeah, uh, not a great president, but definitely not a great presidential name. Another one that comes to mind is a movie that you're probably not familiar with. It is R-rated, so we won't really go into great detail, but it's a ridiculous premise. The movie Idiocracy follows this kind of mediocre uh, guy that happens to be in the army. He He's in charge of, you know, he's the, the check-in guy at the army barracks, you know, for different equipment that you can get. And he signs up for this program where he will be cryogenically frozen, and uh, it's an abandoned project. So they abandon it while he's cryogenically frozen, wakes up in the year 2505, well... Uh, by the time 2505 rolls around, the U.S. citizens have regressed to a state of extreme stupidity. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're not going to you're not going to leave that in there, Cole, because I think that highlights how I how much of a stupid moment that just was. Extreme stupidity. I think I mixed it up with the title. The name of the movie is Idiocracy, and uh, so the name of the president in the film he's portrayed by Terry Crews. His name is. Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho. So you can tell that yep. there's some product placement in the president's name by the year 2505, which I think is a pretty funny idea. Um, also, one of the worst president names in movies comes from that same movie when at the end of the movie, Luke Wilson, who portrays the cryogenically frozen uh, mediocrely or uh, he's kind of mediocre in his intelligence and but when he's stacked up against all these other people in 2505, he's the smartest person in the world. He becomes the president at the end of the movie. His name is Joe Bowers. But there uh, he's so named 
President Not Sure by a faulty speech recognition tattooing machine. So everybody's cheering his name. Not sure. Not sure. Not sure. Which I think is... That instills confidence. Sure. But it's, I think it's also a spoof of how a lot of people might not be sure about which president they want to vote for. So two presidents from the same movie. This final one, Cole, is from a movie that I've never seen, never even heard of. But the cast made me drop my jaw just a little bit as how how it could have bombed so badly. Uh, Bob Newhart portrays a president named Manfred Link. And I don't think I would ever vote for a president with the name Link. Uh, The first thing I think of is the missing Link, which I'm sure would come up in his uh, opponent's campaign speech. But listen to this cast, Cole. You've got Bob New. Well, he's he's the missing link. I'd vote for him as the missing link if he was the weakest link. That there be you go. They'd go that that route too. Bob Newhart is the president, uh, who has kind of made a career for playing this bumbling character who can barely string together a few words. Right. Madeline Kahn is the first lady. Gilda Radner as the first daughter, and then rounding out uh, Bob Newhart's cabinet, you've got Harvey Corman. Rip Torn, Austin Pendleton, and Fred Willard, who just passed away recently. That's a great cast. Why didn't it do better? I'll never know. I don't think I'll ever watch it either. It's it's rated R, but it just totally bombed. So, Cole, we have these. We've talked about worst president names. We've talked about our favorite movie presidents from TV and film. Uh, we've talked about our favorite non-fictional, uh, fictional presidents. Now it's time to talk about something that can help us end on a high note and get people inspired in, uh, if not in politics, at least inspired to watch movies with politicians in them. Right. So let's start off again. We're going to start off with the bang, probably the presidential speech that people think of the most when they think of greatest presidential speeches in movies. And it's Bill Pullman's speech from Independence Day. Bill Pullman, of course, plays Thomas J. Whitmore. And he's this alien fighting president who, among other things, can give amazing impromptu speeches to rouse up the troops. Right. And you mentioned to President Martin Sheen earlier, who not only is he a decent, a decent guy, but he has this ability to come up with these very inspiring speeches on his own. He doesn't have to turn to his speechwriter or other people in his cabinet. Well, I mean, they were written by Aaron Sorkin, who's a speechwriter. Yeah, but we're talking about the characters, Cole, the characters. Uh, So uh, let's jump right into this. He greets he greets the troops that are getting ready to go out and fight the aliens. Good morning. Turns on his mic, make sure it's working. Good morning. In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world and you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind. That word should have new meaning for us all today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interests. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July, and you will once again be fighting for our freedom, not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night, 
We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. I love, love, love Bill Pullman. And uh, I... Oh, he he actually did show up on a short-lived sitcom called 1600 Pen, which is, of course, the president's address there at the White Pennsylvania House. Pennsylvania Avenue. And Jenna Elfman. I'm thinking, Bill Pullman is the president. Jenna Elfman is the first lady. I love it. I think the problem was, of course, that their son, the creator of the show, was Josh Gad. So what do you do when your son is kind of a less-than-accomplished, not-so-bright bulb in the White House yeah, I actually liked the show, but it got canceled after one season, unfortunately. Another great presidential speech, and this one's a, a lot shorter. It's from a movie that I really enjoyed in a year where there were two big blockbuster disaster films, one being Armageddon, the other being Deep Impact. We all love the sound of Morgan Freeman's voice when he's narrating. Of course, he would be a natural fit for the president of the United States. He portrays President Beck. And as he is trying to give comfort to the world, uh, he says, Cities fall, but they are rebuilt. And heroes die, but they are remembered. We honor them with every brick we lay, with every field we sow, with every child we comfort, and then teach to rejoice in what we have been re-given, our planet, our home. That's his speech from Deep Impact. Obviously, not a great Morgan and Freeman or Morgan Freeman impression, but that's not what I was going for necessarily. Chris Rock in a movie that I've never seen, one of the few I've not seen on this list, in, in Head of State, portrays Maze Gilliam, who again is just this regular guy, this hometown hero that ends up in the White House. And his speech is very, he's trying to make it very relatable. It might not be as polished in its language, but you can certainly appreciate the ideas from this speech. How many of you work in a city you can't afford to live in? That ain't right. How many of you work in a mall you can't afford to shop in? That ain't right. How many of you clean up in a hotel you ain't never gonna be able to stay in? That ain't right. You've got nurses who work in hospitals that they can't even afford to get sick in. But I think we've got to go back to somebody who is a great speechwriter and somebody that wrote a movie... Didn't direct it, but he wrote it. And this character in this movie, Cole, is basically like the precursor for Martin Sheen's character in The West Wing. And in fact, Martin Sheen actually plays, <laughs> he plays a member of Michael Douglas's cabinet in the movie The American President. Michael Douglas portrays President Andrew Shepard. And what's interesting about this president is he is single, unmarried, dad, and, uh, what happens is he's got some scandal arising when he starts to date Annette Benning's character, who's this lobbyist. She's got an interesting past. And so you see this other presidential hopeful campaigning throughout the movie. He's portrayed by uh, Richard Dreyfus, who has who, his his great tagline is, which is not a very good tagline to all of his speeches, is I am Bob so and so and I am running for president. And so after Michael Douglas withdraws his support from this bill that he's worked so hard to get passed, uh, he says, we're going to figure out a better way to do it. And then he ends the speech by going after Richard Dreyfuss's character. And he says, my name is President Shepard, 
and I am the president. Yes, it's another one of those great Oren, Aaron Sorkin speeches that you love to hear. And again, the, the speech in its entirety is a little too, too long for this program. But I want to give you a little trivia, Cole, see if you know the answer. I got to thinking he was a single president in the movie The American President. Do you know how many unmarried presidents we have had throughout history? So I know the first one, it was James Buchanan, right? Right right before Abraham Lincoln takes office, Buchanan was unmarried. And the reason we call her the first lady as opposed to the president's wife is because he didn't have a wife. And so it, I think it was his sister that served in the role of the first lady getting things ready, you know, doing the, the social side of Washington at the time. So do you at know, least one. Do you know the other one? I don't think so. So this one has a little bit of an asterisk because he was actually elected president when he was unmarried. Uh, oh, got he, married in office. Yeah, it was yes. one of the it, it was in that stretch where like Arthur Cleveland Garfield uh, and then Cleveland again. One of those fellows. Grover Cleveland. Yeah. So he married France Folsom during his second term in office. So his distinction, other than being elected president uh, as a single man, was he was the only president to have his wedding ceremony in the White House. Isn't that interesting? That's so cool. And the only two non-consecutive termed president. You know, little trivia like this, fun presidential stuff in the real life, ties us right into our panning for good today. There's good in them dire hills. <laughs> Jeff, as a kid, I enjoyed trivia. Uh, I, I liked memorizing weird things. And so in addition to knowing every single Super Bowl winner back to 1966 or every Oscar winner back into the 70s, I also memorized all the presidents too. And one of the ways I did this was with a History Channel show called The Presidents. It was just a little mini-series that went on for six episodes. And and someone has uploaded it to YouTube or, or one of those sites where you can just watch things. I go back and watch it at least once a year because I just like the format of the show. I like just introducing each president. They each had like these little trading cards that they would show up on the screen. You know, George Washington and his signature and, you know, number one. And then it'd flip around and have some interesting tidbits. The The History Channel and Discovery Channel, National Geographic, I don't think get enough talk on our show where we try to talk about the good because educational television maybe isn't what it used to be you know the same channel that airs ice road truckers or you know ancient aliens or you know facts about nostradamus predicting 9-11 it do- doesn't really fit into the rest of history the way you'd want it to but it's the history channels the presidents that i think is one of their best programs to ever be made and and really was a basis in my presidential knowledge. For some real-life history and real content, uh, I recommend it. You know, for a moment there, I thought you were going to say Schoolhouse Rock, which would be another great option. But you can actually go to, there's this uh, History Channel Vault. So if you go to watch.historyvault.com or just historyvault.com, you'll be able to watch each and every one of those episodes. And I think I want to do just that. I think that would be a great way to recognize this inauguration. And also, as we prepare for President's Day, 
What better way to learn more about the presidents during President's Day? And you can do that by watching The Presidents, as Cole just suggested there. And I'll second Schoolhouse Rock. The only reason I know anything about the preamble to the Constitution is because they made it into a song (laughs) that I can sing along that we the people in order to form a more perfect union. Or the fireworks song. There's going to be fireworks on the 4th of July. Red, white, and blue fireworks like diamonds in the sky. I'm just a bill. Yeah, I'm only a bill until they vote for me on Capitol Hill. Did you know you can watch all of those on Disney Plus? I want to do that right after we finish recording. Schoolhouse Rock is part of Disney Family. Nice. Yes. Well, we've had such a great time talking about our favorite and some of our least favorite movie and TV presidents, both fictional and non-fictional. And we hope that you enjoyed it just as much as we did. Again, you can listen to this episode and many, many others, over 100 other episodes on our Screen Cleaning Podcast. Just Google Screen Cleaning Podcast and uh, download it anywhere you get a podcast. I'm Jeff Simpson. And from quarantine, I'm Cole Wissinger. And we'll be back next time to bring you the very best in entertainment here on Screen Cleaning.